We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D Wade. Now our test is jumped over the scores table. Our test is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. It is Wednesday. November 27th. Uh, I think both of us will probably be on the road very shortly for Thanksgiving, uh, but we'll sneak one more in here uh, before the holiday. The NBA has 14 games squeezed into the schedule. Uh, I believe this is the most loaded schedule night or tied with a couple other nights of the entire year. So we had, it's just a really strange week six schedule in general. We only had two games last night, one of which looked like it, it had potential game of the year uh, implications, at least early on uh, between the Clippers and the Mavs in Dallas that one ended up being a blowout. Clippers jumped on on the Mavs early and, and really never looked back. And it was a, a game that was probably further apart than the 15-point spread uh, at the end would, would imply. I mean, this was a game that L.A. led by by 20-plus for for most of the meaningful parts. Um, and then Denver, of course, blew out the Wizards uh, in Denver last night. 
Uh, but before we get to a little preview of, of the Wednesday night slate, maybe look ahead to what we have coming this weekend, I want to talk about something that's you know a few days out of the news cycle at this point, something that was uh, kind of raised to the public eye over the weekend, and that is the proposed changes to the NBA schedule and, and beyond that, you know, potentially playoff seating and, and just kind of how the whole system operates. Um, and this is something that, you know, the league itself hasn't exactly addressed, um, right. you know, in, in the past, but it's been raised on podcasts. You know, you, you hear, um, you know, at Sloan Conference, things like that, proposals from from various individuals have, have come about. But this is the first time that it really sounds like the league is seriously considering uh, making what would be pretty drastic changes. Um, and there were a few things that were raised in, in a report by by Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe. Uh, again, this was last weekend, those both of ESPN. I think the the headliner was this potential in-season tournament, which you know we, we've seen ideas in the past for kind of a play-in tournament for the playoffs. And, th- and that's another kind of subset uh, of, of this initial report from Woj and Lowe. Um, but it, it sounds like the NBA is considering, at least right now, Uh, in talks with the players union a a kind of an early season tournament and it's very much up for debate what what it would mean you know how you'd incentivize it uh, both for players and for teams Um, but it it does sound like the goal is to kind of lop some games off the overall number Um, so you know that the schedule would settle in maybe around 78 games rather than 82 and then it'd be made up for with this tournament Um, I know you and I both read the report Uh, you've had a couple days to think about it what are your initial thoughts on this portion of it? And does, does this solve any of the, you know, I guess purported problems that, that the NBA has right now where it does seem like maybe the season's a little bit too long and you kind of go through these lulls where, you know, what's going on off the court ends up kind of taking precedent over the actual games themselves. Yeah. Um, I think the, the wording was weird because when initially came out and said that there will be like a minimum of 78, regular season games i thought that was a typo and they meant maximum i'm like wait minimum that doesn't really sound like it's reducing the season at all and when you kind of you know look into that portion of the article it says the most teams are going to end up playing 78 or 79 games under the proposed new thing which again that's like three games less and quote there's a small possibility of a team playing a maximum of 83 games based on possible tournament and playing scenario. So actually the season could be getting longer for a team. And, you know, they kind of talked about in the, the Woj and Low podcast, they originally wanted to do this around February. The mm-hmm. player said, I want my all-star break. That makes sense. Um, and then they said, okay, can we push it to March? And they're like, wait, March Madness can't do that. So now this sounds like it would theoretically happen around basically now, like Thanksgiving, a yeah, little after Thanksgiving. I... I don't know. I, I get I get that Adam Silver wants to make it more like a soccer format. I understand because it's the most popular sport in the world. Um, very passionate fan base, stuff like that. But it's kind of weird. And I guess one one thing I, I haven't heard anybody talk about so far is what does this mean for like fantasy basketball, actually? Um, fantasy what, lives matter. Fantasy lives do matter. Um, and I haven't heard anybody discuss like, Obviously, this will be fine for like daily fantasy and gambling and those kinds of things. But kind of a weird, you know, after the NBA kind of made a move to like try to prop up fantasy, at least, you know, in certain certain aspects. Now, this is really confusing from like a year long fantasy perspective. I have no idea what this Mm -hmm. means. I'm confident that, you know, we would figure it out 
first of, of course, all. Of course, yeah. We, I mean, you know, I'm sure the league would consult us, you and I specifically. <laughs> Nick. Um, I, I think, if anything, this would be great for daily fantasy, right? I mean, it's. I think it would yeah. just be kind of a almost like a special occasion. You know, I think there are a lot of people that probably jump into DFS, you know, during maybe a, the NFL playoffs, wildcard weekend, stuff like that. Um, yep. You know, kind of these big NCAA tournament. You know, I'm sure more people are people that normally wouldn't gravitate to fantasy in any regard are, are maybe going to be drawn in. Um, but at the same time, it, it does kind of wreak havoc on the traditional season long schedule. Although, yeah, I don't know this for a fact by any means. I, I would guess that the NBA is more focused on the game to game DFS betting, and gambling, gambling, yeah, that yeah. type of thing. You know, I think, I think they're, they're not exactly going to plan their schedule around season long fantasy, which, which I think, true or not is is probably seen as more of a way of the past it's not i mean it's not as nearly it's not as nearly big of a deal i don't phrasing horrible fantasy football is a way bigger deal to like if the nfl schedule makers were to try something crazy like this that might actually matter right this i i I agree i think the nba is more concerned about daily and, and gambling and that's that's the difference too i think between fantasy basketball still and fantasy football i mean it's not even close in terms of sure who's playing the demographics like i'm i'm in a league with my girlfriend, her mom, her you know, <laughs> For aunt's friend, like, and they're all like really into this league. And they would, <laughs> like, I can't even imagine what would happen if I attempted to set up a family fantasy basketball league. You know, it just wouldn't Doesn't work. And, and and I think there's there's really never going to be a way that um, that it's nearly as popular. Just just, just kind of how it works when you have an 82 game season, and I think that's amplified if you want to talk about fantasy baseball that has you know twice as long of a season. Uh, it's a lot easier to set your lineup once a week you know maybe make a, a pickup or two once a week um I, I think it's just too much maintenance but overall i i don't know what this solves like you said the biggest thing i i'm not opposed to shortening the schedule i, I just don't know that cutting off four or five games accomplishes what anyone is trying to do and i know the nba itself is probably against that for revenue reasons but i think if you're the players association you're probably pushing to get down to closer to 60 65 games as the max and and if you read this report, it's what, what confused me most too is all of a sudden are some teams going to end the season with 83 games played and other teams are going to end the season with 79 games played? How does that affect final standings? Um, and that's a deeper issue that you know I think the NBA it sounds like might explore as well. You know maybe having a play in tournament to to decide the final two playoff seeds, maybe expanding the playoffs so you have you know 10 teams in each conference, maybe doing away with conferences overall. I I'm not I'm again I'm not opposed to any of these ideas. I just I don't know that they're necessary. I think there's been an overcorrection to the western conference being so dominant for the last 10 or 15 years and you know we, it, it has gone on for long enough that it, it's almost does seem like more of a trend um but at the same time I, I have a hard time believing that in 10 years it's still going to be this way and i, I don't know that we want to drastically change the way that the playoffs or the schedule is formatted just to compensate for you know one conference being deeper than the other right now yeah and I um I think I think what they're trying to partially what they're trying to do is kind of shoot the gap between we definitely want fewer games so there's few less resting but we want just as much if not more revenue so I think they have to try to reduce the amount of games that are being played but it can't be by that significant of a number but and they're trying to make the games that happen more meaningful to yes. make up the revenue so okay if we make these games that the few if we make if there are fewer games, but they're more profitable, then it should work out. And the only way to do that is to literally change the entire structure of the way the NBA works yes. so that certain games mean more when they used to almost not mean anything. I mean, there's 
previously there's like no reason to turn into like a Cavs Bulls game. No. But if the NBA can find a way for this to matter for an in-season tournament or potential, you know, like one of these teams sneaking into the eighth seed despite being the 10th seed because of a play-in situation if they win two games, mm-hmm. like, you know, I get that. But um, it seems like the main goal right now is to make sure that all 30 teams are competing for every single something. game. Yes. Yeah, for something. And whether, you know, depending on that, if that's 82 games, 78 games, like they, the NBA is struggling to make sure every team, I guess, puts out a you know a a product that people want to see on a night-to-night basis and i just unless you're going to do an nba type of schedule where you're only playing like 20 games and literally every game would have huge playoff implications like it does in the nfl i mean you in the nfl if you start zero and three your fan base is in a panic you know in the nba if you start zero and three it's it's whatever especially if you if you know you're a good team you know and you can just kind of chalk it up to fluky losses i don't think we're ever going to get to the point where the nba can claim that every single game or even every single week you know means means as much as as it does in the nfl and i I think the nfl is almost kind of an unrealistic model to compare it to yeah and a lot i mean a lot of these problems really really only show up in april i mean both of us know you know from at least a fantasy perspective you know fantasy leagues that run into april are, are just end up being chaos because you know these these really bad teams just end up sitting everybody with injuries that may or may not be real and but for the vast majority of the season, like, you know, I, I think there are I mean, a lot of the teams that are rebuilding and tanking are actually exciting and fun teams that fans are interested in rooting for. Like, I can't say I can't sit here from a perspective of like a Hawks fan or whoever and say, yeah. like, yeah, I love watching the Hawks every single night. But at least they have they have something to look forward to. Like they right. have an exciting team that's going to get a good draft pick. I think part I mean, part of the problem is when semi-decent teams just start phoning it in mm-hmm. or you know teams that routinely win like 33 games it's almost like the the really bad teams are kind of exciting and the really good teams are exciting but the the nba purgatory is mm-hmm. just incredibly boring but i don't i feel like that's not what the nba is worried about ironically i feel like they're worried about these tragically bad teams that fans actually still like yeah they just want them to be trying and they they are they're just not putting together the, the roster for it or whatever right well i think and again to, to compare it to the nfl I, I think in the nfl there's it it's it's not the same incentive or excitement i guess if your team is like oh and 11 you know unless right i don't i mean i just can't you, even when you have a great prospect sitting there you know come to come off the you know a peyton manning level prospect like you're still not tuning into every single colts game I mean, aren't there like necessarily to to see that? Whereas, like you said, I think teams that are bad, like the Grizzlies, are on everyone's list of teams to watch. Like I would rather watch the Grizzlies than the Magic, even though the Magic are the objectively better team. Right. Yes. And and I think in you know in the NFL, like you can have a a team that's seven and nine or eight and eight, and even though they're struggling and they might not be fun to watch, you still tune in because they're in the playoff race. You know, you you look at the in the hunt graphic that starts you know that started this past week, like. The Titans are in the hunt. You know, the Jags, before yeah. their loss, were in the hunt. Like, you can at least convince yourself, um, you know, because you know, one game really means so much. A two-game winning streak in the NFL can vault you from, you know, 12th place in your conference to six all of a sudden, whereas in the NBA, that just doesn't happen. And I think you are right that those teams in the middle, you know, the, the Detroits, the Orlandos, um, you know, Indiana, Milwaukee was there for so long. Like, those type of teams, it's just really, really hard, I think, to generate interest, especially from like this period, you know, once the first month, the new season has kind of worn off from like November through March. Yeah, it's just really tough to generate interest for half the league. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. 
All right, that's all I have on that. Um, will be interesting. I, I don't. I don't imagine that we'll get too much more on this anytime soon. You know, I think once the season, um, you know, once the end of the season gets closer, maybe around the All Star break. I, you know, it's important to note that the players association or the players union has to agree to all this with the league. You know, the league can't just make these changes and say, "All right, this is what we're doing now." So, you know, the the push back and forth is going to be interesting because. Right now, we haven't really gotten much of a perspective from the players. You know, this this has all kind of been, here's what the league thinks. Yeah. The players have kind of, you know, responded, but we don't know what their response has been. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting in a few months. Maybe the players union throws out some proposals that, that we haven't really thought about yet, um, you know, because they're obviously looking at it from a completely different perspective. Let's talk about the value in daily fantasy for a minute. The big prizes are attractive, but you have to finish in the top 2% out of thousands of experts to win any real money. So even on your best day, you still feel like you're losing. Now you can play something better, and that is Stat Hero. Stat Hero is a house-based game that combines the best of daily fantasy and survivor pools. Each Stat Hero contest lasts multiple days, but requires only one entry fee, so your money lasts longer. Yes, you can play multiple days with only one entry fee. Stat Hero gives you smaller contests and more chances to win, and no more competing with sharks or experts ever, because your only competition is Stat Hero itself. You play Stat Hero, you beat Stat Hero, you get paid by Stat Hero. Survive the game and download Stat Hero today and see how the face of Daily Fantasy has changed. Finally, a game designed for the rest of us, Stat Hero, now open for NFL and NBA and available on both iOS and Android. For more information, visit StatHero.com. I wanted to take a look at MVP odds. We, okay. We've kind of checked in on these basically week to week. And how many guys are you willing to narrow it down to right now? Um, like, where's your cutoff where you would say, like, I could realistically see this guy winning the MVP. So I, I'm not going to read you the numbers, but I'll give you in order, uh, according to the FanDuel Sportsbook, uh, which, of course, sponsors this podcast. Um, these are the leaders for, for MVP odds. Giannis, Harden, Doncic, LeBron, Davis, Embiid, Kawhi, Towns, George, Lillard. That's the top 10. I don't think there's any way Embiid wins MVP. And um, I, I think Kawhi maybe. Uh, I think it's I think it's still in play. But yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident cutting off the list after Embiid, who hasn't like he hasn't really looked that good so far this season. Like I looked at his stats the other day, it's like 29 minutes a game. It's he was 0 for 11 the other night. Like 43, 44, 45 percent shooting. He's already missed five games. That's the other thing with like, him. Obviously, he's good defensively. He's he's always going to be dominant, at least on that end of the court. But the offense isn't coming along, so I I think that's where I'm 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 pretty confident cutting it off. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, I think Doncic has a legitimate case, and we kind of talked about this last week. Um, le- legitimate case, given how good the Mavs look. I mean, the the Mavs are eleven and six right now. I mean, the the Mavs have the same record as the Rockets. Yeah, and I think Doncic is. Whether fair or not, if they end up with the same record at the end of the season, I think Doncic is just going to get more. Um, people are going to think he did more. He's more likely to win MVP than Harden if if they have the same record because we've seen Harden do this. Nobody, I don't know, nobody's that like unless James Harden literally scores forty points a game, which very possible. I think people are just like bored of Harden, as crazy yep, as that sounds. Harden has two or three second place finishes and one first place finish in the last, I believe six MVP votes might even be five. Um, but he and Dodgers have the same odds right now. I, I would tend to side with Harden just because I think 
if he finishes the year averaging 38 39 points per game like i get it you know he's kind of he's kind of inched closer to that mark each of the last few years but that's that's a ton of points and he's not <laughs> shooting 30 percent from the field i mean he's a high usage player but i i almost think that gets blown out of proportion and people he's been doing this now for basically a full calendar year you know he started kind of on this run after their tough start last year and he just hasn't slowed down and i i think i i'm on the record saying i would have voted for him last year because i thought what he was doing was so remarkable and, yeah. I, and I totally i mean Giannis is extremely deserving of the mvp and, and he will be again this year if he wins it but it does seem like people aren't even though Giannis is doing you know maybe 10 percent better than last year and, and he has some flaws you know at the at the free throw line especially people aren't really bored of what he's doing and yet they are bored of what harden's doing and i, I right. think it's a perception thing in terms of you know personality in terms of how it looks as they're doing you know like harden even though he's putting up 38 points he's still kind of carrying this like lazy label it's like a lazy 38 you know he's just right. tossing up shots you know he might miss five in a row but he'll take five more whereas Giannis is kind of the opposite when you watch him you know i mean i'm thinking towards the end of that jazz game the other night you know he's getting his own offensive rebound he's throwing right. it down left-handed um you know over a defender to, to put the bucks up late i mean it, it does seem like right or wrong people are sick of Harden, and if averaging 38 points per game isn't enough to you know to draw him closer i mean there's a pretty big gap Giannis is plus 195 Harden and Doncic are both plus 460 if averaging 39 points per game isn't enough I, I don't know what Harden can do the rest of the way to change anyone's mind i think i think a lot of this is just going to come down to wins for him unfortunately i think it just people have seen him playing an mvp level they've seen his teams win 50 games consistently and then the playoffs come and and that i mean first of all that shouldn't factor into mvp voting because you don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs um but i, I think i don't i don't know what he has to do at this point like i, re, I really just don't he like, can't, like physically he can't really go much higher like i mean would it would it change anyone's mind if he averaged 41 points a game like it, it could be kind of a you know a triple double type of thing where there's a there's like a, a magic difference between averaging 25 10 and 10 and 25 9 and 10 you know like does does getting to the 40 point plateau make the difference for people i don't know maybe it does those numbers i think i mean those numbers matter we talked about like the rust triple double right that's in saying. terms of you know things that just haven't been done before or haven't been done in a very long time i think some of the argument like that that the i think I don't know. Obviously, Hargan is really good, but there are going to be some people who say it's a hot take. But I'm, I am willing to go out on a limb on this podcast. Where if how many how many other players in the league do you think there are that if you gave them the amount of shot attempts, the amount of usage that Hargan had, could put up very similar numbers? I don't think that I don't think the amount of players is that high. Like I really don't. Like Kyrie, no. maybe. But he's already taking nearly the same amount of shots as Harden. I think there are guys who could do a decent, you know, facsimile of it for a couple months. Damian Lillard is, comes to mind. I, yeah. I, I mean, I think LeBron Curry, if he's healthy, but to do it over the course of eighty-two games that's a, yeah. is kind of the other thing. Like his durability is is almost a skill at this point. I agree. Yeah, and that's something that just doesn't get factored in. Um, I think you know durability really only gets factored in like if a player consistently plays fewer than like seventy-five games. People are like, oh, he doesn't. You know, he's right. hurt. I don't think people give Hargan the credit he deserves for consistently playing as, as much as he does. 
Um, and it, the the minutes workload is is one. Th- I mean, you know, Giannis Giannis has also been durable over the past oh, you yeah. know, two three years, but he's only playing like 32, 33 minutes a game. See, here's the thing. So I was running. I did a comparison last night on on Basketball Reference. I put you know the top five guys, um, and you can kind of line up all their stats per game right. totals per thirty six per one hundred possessions advanced. When you look at per thirty six, I, I think that almost makes the case for Giannis more than anything because he's playing you know, such few minutes relative to other superstars. I mean, Harden is at 37.3 right now. Giannis is at 32.9, which is extremely low, you know, especially if you look at some of, yeah, look historically, you know, 10, 20 years ago, the league leaders and, and you know, these guys were superstars were playing 40, 41 minutes per game. Like Iverson's MVP year, he averaged like 42 minutes a game. So even if you bump Giannis up to 36, which wouldn't, that would still be two minutes per game shy of, of the league leader. I think Van Vliet's at 38 right now per 36, He's right there with Harden. You know, Harden's numbers go down per 36, obviously, because right. he's playing more. He's at 36.6 points per game. Giannis is at 34. Assists, you know, I think we think of Harden as a better passer, and, and maybe he is, but per 36, 7.7 versus 6.9. Rebounds, 5.9 versus 15.2. Obviously, defensively, Giannis is, is far and away the better player. Um, I, I think what's maybe holding him back from having just an all-time ridiculous season is just the lack of playing time. I mean, he's this would be his line per 36. 34 points, 15.2 rebounds, 6.9 assists, 1.7 steals, 1.4 blocks. That is a, like, Wilt Chamberlain-esque line. That you, I mean, the assists, seven assists a game from a guy who's also giving you 15 rebounds and 34 points. I mean, it's, it's out of hand. Um, I, I think he's the rightful favorite. I think in terms of narrative, um, like if I was laying money on this, I would not bet on James Harden for basically the reasons that, that you just laid out. I, I, I think I would maybe put a little money on Doncic because he has the, oh my God, he's doing this as a 20-year-old narrative. And you know, last night kind of knocked him down a peg, it felt like. But if they go on another, you know, if they, if they kind of continue to handle business against bad teams, they're on a 50-win pace, um, and he ends the year averaging, I don't you know, like if his three-point shooting keeps going up and he's averaging 31, 10, and 10, I think there's going to be kind of an upswell of like the people getting swept up right or wrong and like in this whole Luka mania type of thing that I think could kind of drive his MVP campaign. Would it ultimately be enough to top Giannis? Probably not. Um, but I don't think Doncic at plus four sixty is the worst bet. And you call me—I was going to say call me a homer, but I'm not. I'm not from <laughs> Cleveland, LA, or Miami. Um, but LeBron at plus five fifty, I think it would almost be the opposite narrative of Doncic, where if he's you know, he's well on pace to lead the league in assists. I don't see him slowing down in that regard anytime soon. And as someone who's watched LeBron extremely carefully over the last decade, it's very clear that he's cognizant that he leads the league in assists and he makes a point to get to 10 or 11 assists every single night, um, especially early on. It seems like every first quarter he's got five assists because he just wants to get those out of the way early. If he's averaging 27, 11, and 8 at age 35, you know, I think that maybe becomes a narrative, you know, whereas. Dodge is doing this as a 20 year old. I think you could flip that on its head and it's LeBron's maybe been robbed of an MVP or two throughout his career. He's doing this at age 35. Can you believe it? I think that that narrative starts to creep in, especially if the Lakers keep on this run and you know, the schedule is going to stiffen up, but they're, I mean, what are they 15 and two right now? This is easily so. the best start of LeBron's career, way better starts than he had on, on arguably better teams earlier in his career. If they, you know, if they kind of pull away in the West, which I don't know if that'll happen, but if they're a 60 win team, I think that narrative is going to start up. I think so too. And just on its face value, getting LeBron James at five to one odds to be the most valuable player right. feels like you're <laughs> feels like a decent bet. I think to he make. opened the year as the favorite last year. I think he did. I think he did. I mean, that was that 
quickly corrected, but I think the right. Lakers hype, you know, kind of drives that as well. And um, I mean, there there's going to be some, you know, with Anthony Davis joining him, there are going to be some people who, you know, kind of, they might split votes depending on how people feel about the situation. They might say, well, LeBron is partially able to do this because Anthony Davis is on this team and he's never, had a play, he's never played with someone like this before. And you know, all of that, but I don't think it matters that much. I mean, like when you just take it on its face value, it doesn't really matter who LeBron is no. playing with, you know, if he's averaging 26, 11 and eight or whatever it is at 35 awesome. years old. Davis has been great defensively. He's leading the league in blocks 2.9 per game. I have not exactly been blown away by him offensively. I, I don't get, the, I don't get the sense that Davis is the re, you know, he's unlocked something in LeBron. You know, I, I think it's looked really, I mean, it's looked a lot like some of LeBron's older teams where he's, you know, he's operating as the, you know, unquestioned hub of the offense, kicking it to, you know, three point shooters, you know, Troy Daniels is getting run for this team, like that type of thing. Davis has been great, but it, it, it definitely feels like if you had to pick one MVP from this team so far, it's LeBron. And I don't, I think it'd be even tough to make a case for Davis at this point. Yeah. I mean, Davis, at least from, um, you know, like a scoring efficiency perspective, this is a very average year for him it's yeah. like right in the middle of his you know career true shooting percentage and i mean well below his career field goal percentage right and um i mean he is i think he is more he is more important to this team defensively oh yeah and he's uh, been great on defense i don't mean to minimize that at all but he's also down three rebounds per game um i mean the playmaking's been good the free throw percentage has been really surprising he's basically been a 90 percent free throw shooter which is super valuable uh, but it, it does feel like, I guess, the main point, they haven't even hit their stride yet. I, maybe they won't get there. We've seen LeBron kind of struggle with, with you know, star teammates in the past. But, you know, watching these games, it, it almost does seem like it's kind of been a take-your-turn offense, and it's worked, worked wonders for them so far, obviously. But I, I do think there's another level they can go up as a tandem. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season is in full swing, and FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel has something for everyone, tons of different contests and formats to choose from, and these contests start at just $0.25 per entry. All you have to do is pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. You can play against your friends for bragging rights, or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes. To take advantage of our special offer for new FanDuel users, sign up to today at fanduel.com slash rw that's fanduel.com slash rw you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription with that first deposit on fanduel that'll get you access to our dfs lineup optimizers premium articles draft software everything you need to win your leagues this season just visit fanduel.com slash rw void where prohibited i want to talk about Lori marketing going a complete different direction uh one of many players who has absolutely murdered me in a in more than one season long league no um but he has hit rock bottom i think the bulls in general have maybe hit rock bottom uh, i'm sure you saw the clip over the weekend of zach levine's insane 13 three-pointer game capped off by a game winner jim boylan frantically running out to go hug and congratulate everyone <laughs> no one not even ryan archie diacono would even give him like the time of day like not even a high five nothing like everybody kind of glanced at him and was like let's just move over here guys I think he's on the hot seat and will be fired at some point. Um, I was shocked that they even gave him an extension after last year. I think, I think the team, like the roster, was willing to give him another chance based on interviews and whatnot that we heard throughout the offseason. I think Levine was pretty, like he was pretty optimistic about their relationship, and it's it honestly seems like five games in, everything is back to where it was last year, where they had the you know the players only meetings and the leadership 
commission or whatever it was, they're in big trouble. Um, and Laurie Markkinen specifically, if you're making a list of the most disappointing fantasy players, he's in the top three or five for sure. Uh, I think Draymond Green probably deserves some mention, but there have been there have been mitigating factors there. I, I think what's so concerning about Markkinen is he's been relatively healthy. I know they, they said he was dealing with, I think it was an oblique injury uh, early on, but it hasn't been any, he hasn't missed any time whatsoever. Um, you know, the bulls as a whole have been pretty healthy. Um, it just, he's just kind of completely fallen off a cliff in the last five games. Now, 26 minutes per game, 11 points, five and a half rebounds, 0.6 blocks, 1.2 assists, 29% from the field, 29% from three. His, I mean, his true shooting percentage for the month is 51, which isn't egregious, but it's pretty bad. Um, the thing about the Bulls is, like, you, I, I have their five-man lineups, up, like, per 100 possessions. Most of them are actually positive up top. Like, their starting lineup is plus one point per 100 possessions. Like, okay, next one's minus one. Okay. Then you have two that are plus seven. What really hurts is when you get down to, like, there's one that's minus 18, and that's Archidiakno, Dunn, Gafford, White, Young. And that, yeah, that's played 34 minutes. So, like, their starters seem to actually be functioning pretty well. It's just they don't have bench depth. And that's actually not, like, crazy because their their bench really isn't that good. Um, and the fact that they can play that well with Laurie Markkinen not playing that well offensively and Zach Levine playing virtually no defense. And Otto right. Porter, Otto Porter's out right now, but... Yep. And even when he was healthy, he did not look remotely like capable. No, he was. He was at like 60%. I don't think I don't he think was he ever really healthy. Ball, but I don't know when Porter's going to be back. I think getting him. I had to They drop played him. so well when he was healthy at the end of last year after the trade. Like that's that's kind of what what encouraged me about the Bulls. You know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily Levine or Markinen. I, I I thought having out of Porter for a full year and adding Sadoransky, who's been pretty good. I mean, his efficiency has been fantastic. I mean, he's been like 45, 42, 89 from the field, but night to night they they just have this weird wacky guard rotation where kobe white just comes in and launches up six threes in two <laughs> minutes and usually plays well but he does, yeah. yeah it's like they're, they're they're trying to play three point guards sometimes you know two at the same time they just you know night to night you, you really have no idea what you're going to get from this bench like chandler hutchison is in and out of the doghouse denzel valentine will randomly play 12 minutes one night sit the next five games um i mean at the end of the day i i wasn't a huge believer in the bulls but this almost seems very like last year's Suns, where you love a lot of the pieces on paper, but then you see it in action, and it's just like for whatever reason, like like you said, even some of the advanced stats, like kind of like what their what their starting five has done. When you watch them play, you're just you're never encouraged. You're like, this team is going to hold on to this lead, or this team can crawl back in. Like they they just don't seem to be able to put it together as a full roster. I thought they would be or have a good chance to be better than the Pistons this year. Yeah. It's actually close. Talent-wise, they should be, right? Yeah, that's what I mean. They're, and, like, they're like the seventh most talented team in the East. As of right now, it's actually relatively close, but Griffin has missed a bunch of yeah. time, which is you know, part of that factor. Pistons just aren't but, good, too. There's that point. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, this, it just kind of starts up top. Like, the roster is okay, but it's, there's, I don't know. Like, the bench is obviously bad, and then you add in a coach a roster that doesn't seem to quite fit for some reason, mostly just because there's like eight point guards on the team. Um, and then you add in a coach who, I don't know. I, I the, There's clearly issues with there with like the way that he runs things. I don't think that's... that's well, no. I mean, he's basically trying to run like a 1980s... Right. Co- he's trying to be like a mini Bob Knight and the, type, of type of system here, which has just not been a part of any basketball at any level in a while. No, and especially since it runs so counter to like... we like 
all the the load management stuff and players like playing right. you know it it goes counter to that where it's like Jim Boylan is like no like all these guys are you know they're healthier than they say they are and they can play all these right. extra you know back to back practice minutes and then also we I expect them to play I expect them to play 100% in a practice on a back to back and then 100% the next day in and a game I, I I mean I don't you can argue that like, okay, the previous style of coaching didn't work. So you want to try something new. That's fine. But that's a really easy way to lose the respect of your locker room like instantaneously. And right. By all accounts, that's exactly what happened. And like I said, I, I think at least publicly, it sounded like they were kind of willing to take it as a fresh start this year. And it, it's just been the exact same thing. Like you said, undermining players that are injured, undermining work ethic, not taking responsibility uh, for schemes. I mean, it's just been, they're the 28th offense in the league, despite having plenty of talent on offense. And I think unless we find out that Markin is more hurt than he's, than he's letting on the coach is partially responsible for your third year player. You know, somebody who came into the year as probably your undisputed second best player behind Zach Levine, just completely falling off the map. You know, like it's not like Laurie Markin just became a, a horrible player over the summer. Like I think a lot <laughs> of it is finding ways to maximize him. And clearly they have not done that whatsoever. Um, we, we can finish out on this, just kind of zooming out and looking at the playoff picture in the East first. I think for the most part, you can maybe scramble the order a little bit. The top eight are, are the top eight teams that we would have expected. Or you can even go with nine where Detroit sits. The top nine are the nine teams that we expected a month ago to kind of be in these spots and kind of expect to be there You know, when we fast forward to April. I think, um, well, first of all, it's sad that the eighth seed is six and ten. I mean, that's yeah, that's crazy. Sad, but not unexpected. Yes. But that, I mean, and that's that's Orlando. Yes. I was not expecting Charlotte to actually be like actually in this eighth seed race. They really are they based are, on record. Partially because they've been better than expected, more so because the bottom of the East is probably worse than expected. The magic <laughs> the combination, the, yeah. The Magic were the seventh seed last year. They were eight and eight at this point in the season a year ago. So pretty similar to last year. I mean, a, a couple games worse. But yeah, I mean, I, I think a team part of you know part of the side effect of that is more teams are going to be in it what for, for better or for worse teams that in the western conference wouldn't even be close are are now going to you know like the hornets can convince themselves like if they're still three games out of the eight seed in january i mean are they a, are they a team that's going to maybe try to add a piece just to just to get that spot i don't know i mean somebody has to be the eighth i agree i'm i'm also kind of surprised at how well the pacers have been playing despite not only despite Vic, mixing victor oladipo but missing huge chunks of their starting lineup for a long time like turner wasn't there forever lamb was out for a really long time brogdon even missed a couple up. of games last week and they've they're still 10 and 6 which was crazy to me i was all over their their like you know preseason under mm-hmm. i thought there's no way um they at least to me like i don't i don't think they're a real threat in the east you know to win a playoff series even maybe maybe one depending on who the matchup is but they're like that top six to me is now maybe on its own level and, and brooklyn's picked up steam a little bit even without Kyrie these last couple of games well, especially maybe without Kyrie. <laughs> yeah but like the top six like those those are the teams that have a positive srs sure basketball reference you know there's a very clear yeah pacers are plus 2.2 the next you know the nets are minus 3.09 like that's a pretty big gap so it i think those, those top six gap. have kind of solidified themselves as at least quote-unquote good teams teams yes. that are going to give you a fight night in and night out every team below that brooklyn orlando detroit charlotte chicago washington cleveland new york and four and 13 atlanta kind of an underrated uh disappointing start all those teams I, I would say are average to bad to really bad i agree but like from just a games i mean you have i mean some of these teams like you mentioned with the srs some you know 
are theoretically way better than their record. Some are the- theoretically way worse. I mean, the the Wizards are kind of like it, they're they're in there. They're only minus two. Like they're kind of scrappy. Like I just <laughs> the race for the eighth seed in the in the East this year is is going to be. Um, uh, just beautiful to it's watch. Be incredibly impressive. Like, <laughs> Milwaukee is just going to be waiting to, to crush whatever one of those, whether it's Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte. I mean, if you just trash Chicago, they are one game out of the eight seed yeah. right now. So they're still ex- extremely, extremely in it. And, you know, I, I think once Kyrie's healthy, I, I think Brooklyn probably moves closer to that top six that we talked about. They're kind of the one that's in the middle to me. But, I mean, any order of Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte, Chicago – you know, that's to me, those are the kind of like the non horrible teams. And then you have Washington, Cleveland, New York, Atlanta. They're on like another tier of bad. Yeah. And I mean, most of these most of these teams do have like a quote unquote star, which is the one thing keeping them afloat. Like the right. Nets have Kyrie, the Magic have Vucevic, the, you know, Pistons have Blake. Hornets are just doing it somehow. PJ Washington. Washington. Got Dwayne yeah. Bacon. The Bulls theoretically have Levine and Markinen. Wizards have Beal. Cavaliers have Love. Like it's, there are. You know there are reasons that any of these teams could click yep. and sneak into the the eighth seed or, or the seventh seed, um, but at the end of the day, I mean the like you said the the Bucks, Celtics, Raptors, Heat, Seventy Sixers, mm-hmm. Pacers, definitely the top like five of those are so established yep. and um, so dominant despite injuries. Like the Raptors and the Heat, the Raptors, the, I, the Raptors have impressed me so much. I can't, I, it's it, I can't believe it. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, you would hope that they'd be playing this well if you have like Van Vliet and Siakam playing 40 minutes a night, but Gasol has been bad offensively. Been terrible. Van Vliet is only shooting like barely above 40%. I don't know too. how they're winning games. Like you, if you looked at like the, you know, everyone's offensive numbers, you'd be like, yeah. what is happening here? Like how, are, how is this team 12 and four and theoretically like just as good as the Celtics? Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Um, so they have good wins too. I mean, and good right. losses. Their losses are to Boston, Milwaukee, the Clippers, and the Mavs. And they've beat they beat Philly. They beat Portland before they completely fell apart. They beat the Lakers. Um, you know, they they hung right in there with with Milwaukee and you know, had a, had a huge comeback in that game before they ended up losing. I mean, they. I still feel like they're a tier below Milwaukee and ultimately Philly. You know, right. Philly doesn't feel like they're even trying yet, and they've been banged up. Um, but I mean, Toronto, it's, nobody's going to want to play Toronto or Boston for that matter. Like Boston seems like they're back to being the two years ago, Boston. Right. It would be one thing if the Raptors were, you know, like if Abaka was healthy and Lowry was healthy and they were all shooting like yeah. this is, this is the scenario, this 12 and four where I would assume everyone is healthy and they're all playing above expectations. Not that Gasol is not playing well and half this team is half the good players on this team are hurt. Um, I would have never seen this coming. So like definitely shout out to the Raptors and you're right with the Celtics like, um, you know I having Kyrie off this team the chemistry seems to be you know going well. Brad Stevens is back to being a you know top five coach after he was mm-hmm. he was and then people were like is he really and now it's like okay yeah. you know um, they just look more like the Celtics I don't know what that means necessarily a, but like last year it it just wasn't a traditional Celtics team. Right. And if you kind of assume last year was just down from a chemistry perspective, that doesn't mean that the guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum weren't developing that year. And so we're almost seeing like this weird accelerated version of these young players having developed last year, but not being able to show it. Mm -hmm. Um, And now they're having an opportunity to do so. And they seem so much better than they were last year. Um, Yeah, it's just hard to say what changed, you know, it's really impossible. (laughs) Who knows? Okay, we got to cut this thing off. 
make sure to play on FanDuel. Make sure to play on Stat Hero as well. Both uh, wonderful sponsors of the Rotowire NBA podcast. We are a game time call for Friday. I guess it depends on yeah. on holidays, um, but hopefully we'll throw another episode out there before the weekend. You can listen to it while traveling. Um, but if not, this will be our our happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and yep. you and I will be back next week. time inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply